Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Folks, welcome back to the show. Today's topic has to do with longevity. It has to do with brain health. It has to do with optimizing your performance. It has to do with nitric oxide. And my guest is Dr. Nathan S. Bryan, who is a full-on expert and inventor in this space. He is behind some of the most high-performing supplements in the nitric oxide space today, including those Berkeley Life Professional capsules that we many of us are taking every single morning. He convinced me to actually add another nitric oxide support supplement that we will talk about in this episode, because what we talk about are the different pathways that the body uses to produce nitric oxide. And by stacking the different supplements, you get to tap into those different pathways. So we're going to talk about all about that and some of the other applications of nitric oxide. If you want to learn more about Dr. Brian and his supplements, you can go to no2u.com. You can use discount code NAT10 to save 10% off of anything you feel inspired to buy. And you can also follow him on Instagram, which is Dr. Nathan S. Brian, Brian with a Y. Thank you so much for being here. I love hearing from you guys. I love the questions, the comments, everything I get through the website, natnidham.com or on the Facebook community, Optimizing Superhuman Performance. Thanks again for being here. We're going to hear from a sponsor real quick and then get right into the episode. Hey folks, quick word from our sponsor, Berkeley Life Professional. If you've been listening for a while, you've probably heard me talk about nitric oxide, a vital molecule made naturally in the body, responsible for vasodilation and circulation. But as we produce less of it as we age, resulting in diminished blood flow, I, along with many of my listeners, have been supporting our nitric oxide levels with an easy daily dietary nitrate supplement called Berkeley Life. But did you know that nitric oxide also has topical impacts? Berkeley Life's new topical nitric oxide serum combines vitamin C and nitrite to create nitric oxide gas directly on the skin. I get a beautiful blush for about five or 10 minutes as the serum goes to work on my skin's microvasculature without any kind of burning or tingling sensation. I'm now using the serum daily alongside my Berkeley Life supplement. As the biggest organ in my body, I know my skin is thanking me for the improved delivery of oxygen and nutrients being delivered through my circulatory system, thanks to nitric oxide. Berkeley Life is available only through health practitioners. So you can access Berkeley Life products at berkeleylife.com and use my practitioner code NIDDBL to place your order and get 10% off that first order. Once again, berkeleylife.com. And now let's get back to the episode. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Nathan Bryan. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you, man. It's great being with you. Yeah. So we got to meet in person a couple of weeks ago at the Biohacking Congress, which was super fun and an event unto itself. But now we get to have our tete-a-tete, which I'm super excited about because your presentation on nitric oxide was amazing. And uh, I just think there's so much to unpack about nitric oxide 
And you have so many really interesting approaches to it that are multifaceted, if you will, that I think we're going to learn a whole bunch of new stuff here today. So thank you again for being here. Happy to help educate and bring awareness around nitroglycerin. Yeah. So Dr. Brian, I like to start people, my interviews by understanding, just getting to know our guest just a little bit. So did you wake up one morning and decide nitric oxide is a thing I am going to make my life's work or what, what, <laughs> what brings you here today? <laughs> well, you know, it's probably in most careers and disciplines, it's, it's an evolution. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't wake up one morning and go, Hey, I like nitric oxide. I got interested in science you know, even in high school, I was always good in science and math. And then I went to the University of Texas and got a degree in biochemistry and then quickly realized that it's hard to make a living with a bachelor's degree in biochemistry. Mm-hmm. So I knew I either had to find something else to do or get a higher degree of education. So there I went to LSU School of Medicine and I enrolled in a PhD program in molecular and cellular physiology. And that was about the time that the Nobel Prize was awarded for nitric oxide. Oh, and so part of my research rotations was with a pharmacologist who had been involved with nitric oxide since the you know, early 80s. So there I learned really what nitric oxide was. I learned you know, how important it was for human biology and even therapeutics. But the challenge at the time was there weren't any sensitive methodologies to detect nitric oxide gas in biological systems. So that was the basis of my entire PhD research was how do we develop selective and sensitive detection mechanisms or methods that we could detect nitric oxide in biological systems. And so we cracked that code and then that really gave us the tool we needed to understand nitric oxide in many different disease models. So from there, and I finished my PhD in two years, I went to uh, Boston University School of Medicine and did a fellowship there, spent two years as a fellow there. And then I got recruited to join the faculty of University of Texas Medical School in Houston uh, by Fred Murad, one of the guys who won the Nobel Prize for its discovery. So after that, my the time at LSU during my PhD, that's really all I've done. You know, when I first got a faculty position, we made a lot of discoveries and enabled a lot of patents. And today I have, I don't know, two or three dozen issued patents and we've commercialized a lot of those discoveries over the past uh, 10 or 15 years. So that's kind of the evolution of how we started basic science and then find your way into this very specific niche in microcosm of, of nitric oxide research. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting, right? Because I mean, you, you, in a way you've kind of accompanied nitric oxide on this journey since really some, it, it, the Nobel prize was awarded, like Nobel prizes don't get awarded for little things. Right. So, you know, there's that book by Malcolm Gladwell, where he talks about, you know, a person's journey and success is often predicated, yeah, on a lot of hard work and focus and concentration, but it's, it's also timing and serendipity, right? Like when you were born, what happened at the time? What, and for you, it was this convergence of this research coming out at this time when you were, you know, a relatively young research student looking for topics for your dissertation or thesis or whatever, and this captured your attention. And how amazing that for you, it turned into your life's work, essentially. Yeah, and as you mentioned, it's all about timing. You know, Martin Fish, who was my PhD mentor, had just joined the faculty of LSU School of Medicine in Shreveport when I started as a student. So he was new there. I was new there. Uh, and, you know, we developed, it was more than a, a mentor-mentee relationship. Um, it was a, a friendship, a genuine appreciation for one another. And still today, you know, 
but 20 years later, 25 years later, uh, we're still friends, we're still colleagues. Um, and so that's the beauty of, you know, what we do is you develop relationships. And for me, everything I do now is about relationships, yeah. both good and bad. You know, I've learned a lot from, from good mentors and good teachers, but I've also learned a lot by some really nasty people that I've had the, uh, you know, the misfortune of crossing paths with. So we, we learn from everybody. Sometimes it's, you learn a lot of what to do, but I think more importantly, we learn what not to do and not how to treat people mm-hmm. based on past relationships. But yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's all about timing and, you know, people coming into your lives at the right time. Yeah, no, for sure. So, yeah, no, I love that. And, you know, it's funny, those negative experiences with people, you would, a lot of people would, and I'm sure you do, you frame them in the end when you're on the other side and the drama's over and, you know, the dust is settled. It, it is a gift of sorts, right? Because the learning you take from that and that you move forward with, you, it just makes you more resilient and better at what you do. Sometimes it's a very painful and expensive learning experience, but it's a learning experience nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's, um, let's dig into nitric oxide a bit. So I did record a podcast uh, several months ago with, with Beth Shirley on who's a bit of a, you know, she is like deep, deep, deep down this rabbit hole of nitric oxide. Uh, it's almost like she runs around waving this nitric oxide flag. I'm excited to get like a, a different perspective and unpack it basically from a bit of a different point of view, because I think what's really, in, well, a lot of what's really interesting in the space is getting people's heads around the fact that we think of nitric oxide as vasodilation, really good for blood pressure. And generally, that's as far as it goes for most people. The fact of the matter is, it's got far more of a foundational aspect to our health in many different ways. And so the two directions I want to take us in today so that I lay, lay the groundwork for us and the listeners is you've got a really interesting take on different ways to supplement for nitric oxide and why we may need to do that. Obviously, we want to talk a little bit about all of the different ways that nitric oxide supports like, why is it important to me, you know, or right. the next guy? And then you've got this really interesting line of products, which are cosmetic based, which is a really interesting, again, another fascinating take on nitric oxide. And why wouldn't I just take it internally? Wouldn't it do for my skin? And I know that I've interviewed other people who, who do biohacking skincare or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And they will talk about how the body is not fundamentally, if the body has a molecule that's very, very valuable to it, how your skin look is, does not rank as in the hierarchy of importance to the body. (laughs) Shockingly, it doesn't really care how you look. What it wants to know is that you've got enough cellular energy, that you're not accumulating too many senescent cells. It's going to take care of the innards and keep the machine going. And if there happens to be anything left over and it makes its way to the skin, awesome. But there's no set of, there's no priority system in the body that's going to prioritize how good your skin looks. And so for them, from their perspective, this is where bringing, using topical agents that can affect skin transdermally, even if this is something you might use internally, has value. So I don't know your take on this, but I'm going to stop talking now and let her rip. Yeah, I'll provide a completely different perspective on that. And I don't look your, your body doesn't ignore your skin. Your skin's an organ, just like the heart, the brain, the sex organs, and it requires sufficient blood flow and circulation. And if it doesn't get sufficient blood flow and circulation, it fails. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're not going to die from failing skin. You may look like you're going to die, look old, <laughs> yeah. but you're not going to die unless you completely lose your barrier function and become you know, you're prone to infections. But typically what that looks like is you lose collagen, you lose hydration, fine lines and wrinkles appear, you develop age spots, dermatitis, acne. That's what a failing skin looks like. And it's all due to reduced blood flow. So what we do is we restore blood flow to every organ, tissue, and cell in the body. And when you do that, you give the cell the, what it needs to perform. You take away the waste products and you improve cellular turnover, regeneration. So that's how the body is designed to heal. But it cannot do that without sufficient blood flow and oxygen and nutrient delivery. And that's really the role of nitrotoxin. You mentioned it's not just a vasodilator, meaning that it dilates the blood vessels and gets nutrients in circulation downstream, but it actually controls oxygen delivery from hemoglobin into the cell as it goes from the artery to the venous side of the body. It controls mitochondrial respiration. It helps our body fight off an invading pathogen from bacteria to viruses to neurotransmitter in the central nervous system. So when you lose the ability to make oxide, there's a lot of things that go wrong. Develop high blood pressure, you develop sexual dysfunction, you develop mild cognitive disorders, you get into resistant diabetes, you develop chronic fatigue, uh, your skin begins to age, you begin to age, and you develop chronic disease. So now today, with over 185,000 scientific papers on nitric oxide, we know that the loss of nitric oxide is the earliest event in the onset and progression of all age-related human chronic disease. It's that fundamental and that important. Wow. The body cannot and will not heal until you restore nitric oxide. And that's why we have so many sick people, not just in the U.S., but around the world, because nobody's doing anything about nitric oxide. And that, to me, is the fundamental, it's the missing piece in health, in health and longevity. Wow. And really disease prevention. No kidding. And so do hospitals use nitric oxide when they're treating patients or nitric oxide support? I mean, they might, I mean, this can't possibly be so far off the radar <laughs> that it doesn't, or is it? Because, you know, I, I had a friend who had a, a, a stent put in. And so clearly this person had blood, you know, had has circulatory issues. Yeah. Right. And when she asked her her cardiologist, you know, so my my friend who does this suggested that I consider supplementing with a supplement that would and what and it's not like she's not taking nitric oxide. It's a supplement that will support her body's ability to make nitric oxide, which from my understanding was, you know, maybe not as full as what you just described, yeah. but basically foundational. The response she got was, no, you don't need that. You're fine. And, you know, leave the supplementation to me. And, 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 you know, and so then my, my friend got all freaked out. She's like, you know, well, is it going to cause my blood vessels to dilate so much that the stent's going to slip? And at this point I'm like, okay, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a cardiologist. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. if, if you, well, you know, it's going to be a problem, I'm going to let it go here. You've got to, you can always listen to your doctor. Right. But, but that illustrates the, the force we're going up against is we have to now retrain and re-educate doctors on the best way to treat their patients. So to answer your question, the only FDA-approved indication for nitric oxide therapy is nitric oxide gas. So, and maybe I forgot to mention that, nitric oxide is a gas that when it's produced, it's gone in less than a second. So I, I believe it was the early 80s, the first, maybe the late 80s, the FDA-approved inhaled nitric oxide for premature babies with pulmonary hypertension. 
So th- today, that's the only FDA-approved indication uh, because babies that are born premature, their lungs are typically the last to develop. Then they, when they're born, they develop pulmonary hypertension. So the only way to me- mediate the pulmonary hypertension is to give them nitric oxide gas. So it's been very effective. It's been used in hundreds of thousands, if not millions of babies, saved countless lives, and is very effective at uh, reducing pulmonary pressure. Now, and since that was approved, you'll see it used in cardiopulmonary bypass to help oxygenate the, the red cell and to prevent any increase in pulmonary pressure during cardiopulmonary or during a, uh, open heart surgery. Uh, mm-hmm. And then during COVID, you know, there were some early protocols in patients who lost their ox- oxygen saturation. They would give them nitric oxide gas in the intensive care unit, and you could see their blood oxygen saturation improve. Wow. There are a number of published clinical trials now showing that it's very effective in COVID. In fact, we have a drug now, a nitric oxide drug, in phase three clinical trials for COVID. So based on delivering the nitric oxide gas, we developed a nitric oxide lozenge that we went through FDA clinical trials with. And we're finding that if you take the lozenge within 72 hours of developing symptoms of COVID, you prevent the loss of oxygen saturation. You basically stop the virus from replicating. You prevent the vascular inflammation from the spike protein and basically remediate all the symptoms of long COVID. So we're about halfway through that clinical trial now. We hope to have the study completely enrolled by the end of the summer and hopefully have a new nitric oxide COVID drug approved by the FDA by the end of the year. So then I think going back to the resistance we're getting from physicians is unless they can write a script for something, they don't think it works, right? Mm -hmm. Physicians typically don't say, even if your labs say you're low in vitamin D, most physicians won't say you go take a vitamin Z supplement. So it's not part of their armament. But I think now if we can get FDA approved drugs on nitric oxide, it becomes part of the conversation. And you don't just have to write a script for it. Um, You can actually recognize that there are safe and effective nitric oxide based supplements on the market that people can take proactively instead of reactively. Right. So will the nitric oxide supplements remain on the market once the drug is approved? Or do you think, or is that going to have, because sometimes once something gets defined as a drug, all of a sudden the -the over-the-counter supplements disappear because now they've been defined as a drug. Well, it all all goes on potency. You know, for dietary supplements, we have to, we have to put ranges or doses that one could get through a normal, ordinary diet. Right. Right. So that's what we're supplementing that back. For a drug, you have to demonstrate safety and efficacy. So we've increased the dosing on the drug because sick patients need a lot more nitric oxide than somebody like you or me who are just taking it as a supplement to maintain normal levels. levels. The demand is completely different. And so that's why we develop a drug and we don't expect to affect the nitric oxide supplements on the market whatsoever. It would be like, you know, there's Tylenol. You can get Tylenol over the counter, right? Or you can go to your physician and get a prescription for you know, a super strength of Tylenol, or you can get uh, naproxen or naproxen, or you can go to the store and get some Midol or things like that. So dose is what dictates, you know, drugs versus supplements. Supplements, you only have to demonstrate safety. Drugs, you have to go through the FDA and demonstrate safety and efficacy for specific indications. Okay, got it. So um, that's really fascinating about COVID. So would the supplements 
So, so the studies you've done so far on nitric oxide supplementation and COVID, was it only at that drug strength or would the supplements be helpful as well? And does it have to be like, because, and we're going to talk about two different types of supplements in a minute. You've got an, an immediate release supplement, and then we have delayed release that may have a longer kind of tail end, if you will. Are the supplements, effect, like if somebody's listening to this right now, we're not telling them it's going to cure anything or anything, but they, we might help them to feel better if they could get their hands on some of these products to, or maybe, you know, facilitate their recovery as it were. Well, you know, we, we follow the same type of reasoning as, you know, if you're low in vitamin D, what do you do? You take vitamin D. If you're low in magnesium, you have to supplement magnesium. If you're low in iron, we give iron. It's that same strategy. So if you're low in nitric oxide, you have to take something that restores your microbiome. So what we're finding with COVID is, you know, the data are very clear now. 98.7% of the people who get COVID uh, maybe get mild symptoms, they recover, they, they don't require hospitalization, and they're fine. But there certainly are at-risk populations that if they get COVID, they rapidly decline, and the data are very clear. If you're at risk, you're exposed to COVID, three to five days later, your oxygen saturation drops, you're hospitalized, you typically can't recover, they put you on a mechanical ventilator, and then usually two, three days after that, most people die. 90% of the people that put on mechanical ventilators end up expiring. So our whole objective was, and what we're finding is those at-risk patients are the patients who can't make mm. nitric oxide. So who is that? It's African-Americans and Hispanics. 50 to 85 with at least one underlying comorbidity, whether that's high blood pressure, previous heart attack, diabetes, obesity. Those are the patients that if they get exposed to COVID, they're at a severe risk for hospitalization, ventilation, and death. So our COVID drug study was designed based on that. Let's take the highest risk populations that we know are nitric oxide deficient. And then when they're exposed to COVID, let's give them our nitric oxide drug, which is a very potent drug but it's also very safe. We post 500 patients, a single adverse event, no unsafe drop in blood pressure, no methemoglobinemium, which are the only signs of toxicity, and we're keeping people out of the hospital. So that's, that's a COVID drug. It's completely different right. than supplementation. But I think if we take a step back and you look at me, I think I'm probably the best example. I'm 48 years old. I've been on a plane every week since probably April of 2020 during yeah. the height of COVID. And sometimes I was one of four people on the airplane. But we started setting up COVID clinical sites around the U.S. Um, late fall, early winter of uh, 2020. And yet I don't wear a mask unless I'm forced to on a plane back then. And I haven't received any of the mRNA vaccines. And yet I've never had COVID. It doesn't mean that I haven't been exposed to COVID. It means that, of course, I've been exposed to COVID. It's just that I don't get sick from it because my body can deal with it. So when we get an infection, when we get an exposure, our body elicits a robust immune response, which requires mobilization, it requires nitric oxide, requires an amplification of blood flow. And then when we go to the site of infection, which is COVID, it's in our airway epithelium. The white blood cells recognize it, generate a lot of nitric oxide, prevent the virus from replicating, and prevents the virus from propagating throughout the body, and you don't get sick. So that's what happens to a healthy person. But a person who can make nitric oxide they're exposed, they don't get an immune response, the virus replicates, propagates throughout the body, they lose oxygen saturation, they get vascular inflammation, platelets begin to clot, they get microemboli, heart attack, stroke, ventilation, and death. The science is very clear on COVID and nitric oxide. 
that's why I'm excited that I think our, our COVID drugs performing very well. So that's the drug. So what I tell people then as kind of a preventative, just like you know, if you're low in vitamin C, prophylactically take vitamin C, take zinc, take vitamin D. So we, we now, we can supplement nitric oxide as a means to really armor ourselves against COVID infection. And I think that's the role of any mm-hmm. supplementation. Obviously, it's not intended to treat, prevent, cure any disease, but it fortifies the body where the body can elicit a response to Yeah, I love that. You mentioned long COVID earlier. Have you found that nitric oxide supplementation is helpful for people with long COVID? We have anecdotally. Obviously, we don't have any bona fide placebo-controlled clinical trials, but mechanistically, sure. it makes perfect sense. So what is long COVID? It's when the systemic inflammation persists long after the active infection. So the spike protein binds to endothelial cells, causes a disruption in the laminar flow of the blood, activates platelets, causes bad inflammation. You get these micro and the D-dimer levels go up, and then you've got reduced blood flow and inflammation in every mm-hmm. organ throughout the body. So we know, and we've published on this, I believe in 2009, we can completely prevent the vascular inflammation which is characterized by rolling monocytes and neutrophils along the vascular endothelium by giving nitric oxide. So it makes sense mechanistically, scientifically, and we've seen it anecdotally, uh, clinically. Wow. That's, it's amazing to me because it's such a easy supplement. You know, it's so kind of, it, it just is, right? Like, I mean, it's kind of obvious. It's like oxygen. It's, it's, it's such a, and yet it gets so little airplay in these contexts that could be so hugely helpful to so many people. The problem is it's very confusing for consumers because there have been nitric oxide products on the market since the late 90s. And so you can go and if you search, there's hundreds of products that, that come up that are marketed towards nitric oxide. I've tested most, if not all, of those products, and probably 99% of the products out there don't do anything yeah. for nitric oxide. So it doesn't mean that they're not good products. They have good ingredients. They just don't affect nitric yeah. oxide production. So the, the consumer has to be careful because, you know, everybody can say the same thing. Oh, well, this is a nitric oxide product. Well, suppose this. Label says the same thing. One works, one doesn't. In fact, most don't work. So how do you how do you educate and inform consumers that they can make educated decisions on what product works and what product doesn't? And that's, that's the problem in the supplement space is everybody says the same things, but very few products yeah. actually. Work. Yeah, no, I got you. And you know, a lot of the products out there are basically, I mean, many of the products are beet juice, which is great, but I believe that what it requires is that you have the mechanisms yourself to take that beet juice and convert it into nitric oxide, which is where, things start to fall apart, I guess, whether from a microbiome perspective or genetics perspective or whatever the case. So maybe let's, let's talk a little bit, not, not too deep, but let's talk a little bit, explain to people like what has to be present in the body for your body number. I mean, assuming a great diet, which already like you kind of need a dash diet to get, to get enough nitric oxide. And we can talk a little bit about what that is. But even if you got like those buckets of greens and beets and whatever in your diet every day, which most people don't, what then needs to be in place in your system for that nitric oxide? And does that change over the years, which I think it does as you age? Yes. Well, to answer that question, we have to go back and, and, and reveal how the human body makes nitric oxide. 
Because we can't fix something if we don't know what's broken. Man after right? my own heart. Yes. So we, <laughs> we now know that there's two ways the body makes nitric oxide. One, and the first pathway to be discovered was through an enzyme called nitric oxide synthase. And that enzyme converts arginine to nitric oxide. So that's, that's what we call endothelial function. So that enzyme becomes dysfunctional with age. So the older we get, the less arginine we convert okay. to nitric oxide. So it's not that we ever lose L-arginine because it's a semi-essential amino acid. We get it from the breakdown of protein, and it's made through the urea cycle. So supplementing with arginine-based nitric oxide products makes no sense. We're not out of arginine. We've lost the ability right. to convert it. So I tell people it's like putting gas in a car with a blown-up engine. You're not out of fuel. Your engine's broken. So stop taking arginine. In fact, there's a number of clinical trials showing that if you take arginine and you have endothelial dysfunction, it makes things worse. So arginine products don't, don't work. Save your money. Let's put that to, to rest. Then the other pathway is through nitrate. It's found in, primarily in, in green leafy vegetables. But nitrate is inert in humans, meaning that we don't have an enzyme to convert the nitrate into nitrite nitric oxide. So we're 100% dependent upon the bacteria that live in and mm. on our body. So when we consume, for example, spinach or kale or beech, the body takes up that nitrate in the proximal duodenum. And then 90 minutes after we consume that meal, it starts to be secreted in our salivary glands. And that slow secretion of nitrate in our salivary glands is respired upon by the nitrate-reducing bacteria that live in the crypts of the tongue. So the bacteria reduce nitrate to nitrite. Then when we swallow our own saliva, the nitrite makes nitric oxide gas. So here's the problem. 200 million Americans. So let's start with the first. There's, you need at least 300 to 400 milligrams of nitrate for this process to occur because it's very inefficient. We've published on the fact that the standard American diet, or what we call the SAD diet, you're only getting about 100 or 150 milligrams of nitrate per day. So just like the American diet is deficient in magnesium and selenium and chromium and iodine, the American diet is deficient in nitrate. So we don't get enough in our diet. The other problem is 200 million Americans wake up every morning oh, in his mouth. right. It kills the bacteria in the mouth. They've lost the ability to produce nitric oxide. And we've now shown that people who use mouthwash, their blood pressure goes up, they lose the protective benefits of exercise, and it puts them at risk for heart attack and stroke. So we know the effects of antibiotics on the, on the microbiome. And for that reason, people don't take antibiotics every day because of the consequences. So why in God's name would people use mouthwash once or twice a day to kill the bacteria, the microbiome, and cause a disruption in one of the most important molecules in the human body? So that's number one. 200 million Americans use mouthwash. 200 million Americans have an unsafe elevation in blood pressure. It's not coincidence. The other problem is fluoride. Fluoride's in our drinking water. It's in our toothpaste. It's a neurotoxin. It's an antiseptic, and it kills your thyroid function. So you have to <laughs> thank God they're putting it in our water to protect our teeth somehow. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and they wonder why Americans are so sick and have an epidemic of hypothyroidism. So get rid of your fluoride toothpaste, get you a home filtration system that removes the fluoride from your drinking water. Um, and then if you just do those two things, then these bacteria start to repopulate the microbiome diversity improves 
and it allows your body to do what it's designed to do. So then the other problem is antacids. If you don't have stomach acid, you can't make nitrocoxone. Again, over 200 million prescriptions written for antacids every year. That's not even counting the number of over-the-counter mm-hmm. There's clear evidence now that I've been on proton pump hitters and acids for three to five years have a 35% higher incidence of heart attack and stroke. A third increase in heart attacks and strokes by taking antacids. These drugs were never approved by the FDA to be used chronically. They're only FDA approved to be used for three to five days. Because people are using these every day for months, years, sometimes decades. No, I've, I've seen it. And it's causing heart attacks and strokes because you're disrupting nitric oxide production. So if you're on antacids, you have to get rid of them. Get rid of fluoride. Stop using mouthwash. Now the body is able to do what it's designed to do. We can improve the body's ability to make nitric oxide. Now we got to do is just supplement what's missing. And so that's where we have a standardized nitrate capsule that gives your body what it needs. We've got a nitric oxide generating lozenge that if your body can't make nitric oxide, we do it for you. So the science is very clear and we know every step of the way of what goes wrong but more importantly, we mm-hmm. know how to fix that. Yeah, no, that's that's incredible. So, yeah, and even on the stomach acid front, you also have a lot of people that don't make enough stomach acid as they age, right? Whether it's because they're super stressed or they have a zinc deficiency or they're dehydrated. I mean, there's so many reasons why we have, and which is ultimately what leads them to the PPIs, of course, which is completely adding insult to injury. But before they even get to the PPI, it's that whole lack of stomach acid, which already sets them up for low nitric oxide in addition to everything else. That's right. But, you know, you, again, you have to go back to the reason. Why are people deficient in stomach acid? And if you review the biochemistry, the parietal cells in the stomach need iodine to make, nitro, to make stomach acid, to make hydrochloric acid. And the American diet has no source of iodine other than iodized salt. Yeah. And so if you can't make stomach acid, you can't absorb iodine, you can't absorb iron, you can't absorb zinc, chromium, B vitamins. So we create this perpetual cycle of all these nutrient deficiencies that are exacerbated mm-hmm. by an acid. So we have to give the body what it needs to make stomach acid. We have to give it, um, you know, iodine, which most people are deficient in. We have to give it uh, some B vitamins, some um, uh, sodium bicarbonate, sodium bicarb, and even some betaine hydrochloride. Then those parietal cells can make hydrochloric acid, acidify the stomach, and then you can absorb nutrients. You can break down proteins into amino acids, and your digestive system works yeah. perfectly fine. But it's all dependent. Yeah, and it's interesting. Is. I think that's where that one. It's one of the places that the term overfed and undernourished comes from. Right? People are eating and eating and eating, and no quite a bit. And sometimes, even if they're eating the right foods, they're not. They're not able to break them down and assimilate them properly. And and there, you know, things go sideways from there. So let me ask you a question about iodine. When I was in nutrition school, one of the, my teachers taught us this trick of taking Lugol's iodine drops, uh, it's a particular product, and you would put it on your forearm here and you put a bunch of right. it and kind of rub it in. And then you would wait and see how long it takes for that iodine to disappear. And depending on how deficient you were, you would either wake up in the morning with an orange arm or you would it would vanish. They completely and is that a good way to supplement iodine in your mind for people? 
can I look? I think it's a good idea. You can do a urinary challenge test to see because when your body has enough, it yeah. excretes it in the urine. So the, the best ways are just look at urinary excretion of items. But I tell people you need, you know, RDAs no. mean nothing yeah. in terms. It's, it's recommended daily allowance for, you know, prevent getting like scurvy or barrier or something. But it's not what's required for optimal function. So I take 12 and a half milligrams of iodine per day. So why is that? Iodine performs many, many functions in the human body. It's not just regulating thyroid function and the conversion of T4 to T3 active hormone. You need iodine to make stomach acid in parietal cells. So you saturate your body and 12 and a half milligrams is sufficient. Your body takes what it's not overdoing it and you excrete the rest. But that way you ensure you're never being yeah. iodine deficient. Because, and the, the biggest pet peeve of mine is endocrinologists who have patients with, with hypothyroidism and they give them T4 Synthroid uh, drug and T4 is the inactive yeah. hormone. The reason they have hypothyroidism is because they can't convert T4 to T3 because they don't have any iodine. So it's like, it, it goes back to the whole L-arginine. Why would you give a substrate your body can't convert to active hormone and just give them the active component or give them what their body needs to be able to convert T4 to T3 and the symptoms yeah. will improve. But everybody I see that's on Synthroid still has symptomatic yeah. hypothyroidism. And it makes sense scientifically, just the drug companies and the prescribing physicians have failed to Yeah, it's that. crazy. And it is, and I mean, I've always believed that the further upstream you can go in a pathway to try and address the pathway, the better off you are because the body has this incredible, like it has, it's such an incredible machine that I think we've barely figured out <laughs> in so many ways. Well, it's, it's a lot than smarter than we are. So it's if you can go all the way upstream and just give it what it needs and then remove some of the roadblocks like the mouthwash and the fluoride and the swimming in chlorinated pools and whatever the case may be, you know, and then just sit back and see what unfolds. I think that uh, that's where the magic really happens. So, okay. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's what I've learned in 20 years of academic medicine is that people get sick for two reasons and two reasons only. And it doesn't matter if it's heart disease, Alzheimer's, cancer, diabetes. Your body's missing something that it needs or it's exposed to yeah. something it doesn't need. So then to treat that, it's very simple. You, you replete what's missing. You can do that through micronutrient analysis. And you get rid of what's toxic, whether it's infections, infected root canals, dental infections, latent viruses, exposure to toxins, uh, swimming in chlorinated pools, uh, exposure to EMF, all that is disruptive. So we've got to remove ourselves from the source of exposure, replete what's missing, and the body heals itself. That's how the human body yeah, is designed. Yeah, no, but I'm totally with you there. The, I guess the hardest one in that list would be the removal of EMFs. I mean, that that is... That is the, I think that will be the, the ongoing challenge for us is understanding how do we mitigate non-native EMFs effect on, on the human body. Well, we have to isolate ourselves. And I think you, know, you and I are probably fortunate. I live out in the middle of 800 acres in the middle of Texas, um, 15 minutes from the closest gas station or even a small town. So we're pretty isolated. But, you know, people who live in big cities that are surrounded by this so, there yeah. is no escape. Yeah, I well, I'm, most of the time I am in a big city, so I uh, 
definitely have to take my steps. Hey folks, I have something so exciting to tell you, and that is that the Women's Longevity and Resilience Retreat is happening again, and it is happening this November from the 9th to the 13th in Cabarete on the beach in the Dominican Republic, and it is shaping up to be just as awesome as the first one was in March, the response from the participants was just overwhelmingly amazing. We had such an amazing time hosting it. And so Dasha and I decided that we wouldn't wait a year for the second one. We would do one in the fall to get us ourselves and our participants ready for the winter, no matter what it brings. So if this sounds even of any interest to you, please go to my website, natnidham.com, go to the retreats tab at the top of the page, and you'll get a bunch of information there, along with a link to book a free call with Dasha and I to see if this is right for you. So thank you so much and enjoy the rest of the episode. Okay. So let's get back to nitric oxide, our super molecule here. (laughs) So at what stage of the game do you think um, most people, I mean, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to partially answer my question. So somebody on a crappy diet or a sad diet, whatever we want to call it, could probably start supplementing with nitric oxide in their twenties because they're just they're not, they're not giving their body what they need. But in generally speaking, when do you find that people really benefit from supplementing with nitric oxide or is it really in our modern life almost as soon as you can kind of thing? Well, I'll take you back 15 years and we thought early on that, you know, probably about the time you turn 40, you know, that's when really the signs and symptoms of nitric oxide deficiency mm-hmm. begin to set in. And you're 40, 50% of the men over the age of 40 self-report some degree of erectile dysfunction. You know, we don't, we lose our memory. Uh, we don't perform as well as we did athletically or even in the boardroom or even in the bedroom. So we thought, okay, that's the time we should, people should really start paying attention to nitric oxide. That was 15 years ago. Today, you know, you're seeing 18, 24-year-old kids with erectile yeah. dysfunction. You've got, you know, 15-year-old kids with adult-onset mm-hmm. diabetes, insulin-resistant diabetes. Those patients need nitric oxide. So now I tell people we have to completely change the way we think about medicine in North America, or even in Western society. Historically, medicine is a reactive practice. You don't make change until there's fear or you're diagnosed with some disease or condition or syndrome. We have to take a step back and be proactive. If we take the steps necessary to prevent getting chronic disease, then that means we have to start at an early stage. So I tell people, look, as soon as you start to feel like you're not performing as well as you did, you get, you know, you lose energy, your blood pressure starts rising, you have to start taking nitric oxide. If you're developing pre-diabetes, your glucose tolerance test is compromised, and those are all signs and symptoms of nitric oxide deficiency. Don't wait till you're 40. If you wait till you're 40, you're going to have overt cardiovascular disease, ischemic heart disease. You're going to have a plague develop in every blood vessel in your body at an increased risk of heart attack and stroke. You have to you know, look back and, and take action you know, 15, yeah. 20 years Well, early. I mean, you, know, I, you just hit the nail on the head there in saying you, know, you start to see the signs of aging at 40. They've been building. Like We don't become diabetic That's from right. one day to the next. We don't develop heart disease from one week to the next week, this has been a process that's been ongoing. And which I think is, if people really realize it, it's what's, it's both frightening and empowering, right? Because on the one hand, the message is, start taking care of your house from day one, if you want a, if you want a good okay. house. 
And, and the second one is you can influence this. Like you, you can cut this off, but you have to be willing. And I think part of it is, is educating even young people. Like we focus so much attention, obviously on 40 and 50 and 60 year olds, because they're seeing their, they're seeing the signs. And so they're so much more motivated to do something. But in many ways, I think we would be well served as a society to put a little more energy into the younger population to, although it's so hard at that age to get them to believe you because they're like, what are you talking about? I don't need sleep. I can drink. I can, I'm like amazing. I look fresh as a flower in the morning. You look like a bag of dirt. Even when you get nine hours of sleep, like you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like, well, it's human. It totally nature. is. You know, human yeah. nature is it's, it's, we're all fear motivated. We don't do anything until yeah. there's fear. Fear of having a heart attack or going to the doctor or having a first heart attack. Then people take corrective yeah. action. But here's the most empowering thing about what we do is even if you take steps early on to prevent the age-related loss of microcoxide production, or you've already had a heart attack and you've got overt cardiovascular disease, we can reverse that. The science is very clear. This started with the work by Caldwell Esselstein on putting you know, patients with 90% blockage of the coronary arteries on a plant-based diet. It's seen complete plaque regression and reversal of heart disease over a period of months, if not years. And the mechanism for that is the nitrate and nitric oxide clearing the plaque away, allowing for vasomotor tone and getting sufficient blood supply to the to the uh, arteries. So we know mechanistically how important nitric oxide is, whether you're fear-based yeah. and only taking corrective action now because you've had a heart attack, or hopefully we're going to reach some of these 20 or 30 year olds who are healthy and take the corrective action now. So they never have to deal with a heart attack or stroke because the best asset we have is our own health. The greatest investment we can make on our time here on planet earth is in our own health. Cause it doesn't matter if you, you make a lot of money, you live to be seven or 80 years of old. If you're bedridden and having somebody change your diaper twice a day, what's the quality of life of that? I'm, I'm right with you. If I'm uh, gnashing my gums, don't know my name, and somebody's changing my diaper, take me out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm, out. I'm tapping out. I'm good. <laughs> Had a good run. I'm out. Yeah. All right. So been talking for a while. There's a lot more I want to cover here. So let's let's frame the next little while. I want to talk about the lozenges yep. and the capsules that are delayed release and how we use them both. Uh, because it sure sounds to me like there's value in both of these approaches. And one of the things I love right now is these test strips, right? Because, and and I've found the test strips with my coaching clients and, you know, the people that I talk to, when they do that test strip and they see that they're not, they don't have nitric oxide, it they're like right away, they get it. And they're like, okay, I'm in, bring it. Right. Um, so the test strips are fantastic. And then after, after we talk about that, I want to talk about the skincare. I really want to talk about the skincare. So. <laughs> well, so getting back to that, understanding how the, what goes wrong in people that can't make nitric oxide, then how do you fix it? So we've developed a number of different products over the past 10, 15 years. But suffice it to say that we have technology that fixes both pathways. So we, we have a nitric oxide disintegrating lozenge. So you put this lozenge in your mouth takes about five to six minutes to dissolve. But as that matrix is falling apart, it's generating nitric oxide gains. So if we look at an ultrasound, we can see within 10 seconds, your carotid artery is dilating. So it's immediately wow. vasoactive. So if your body can make nitric oxide because you're using mouthwash, you have endothelial dysfunction, you're on antacids, 
then we do it for you. It overcomes all of that. But it also recouples that nitric oxide synthase enzyme. So now your body's able to convert the arginine that's present in your body into nitric oxide and improve endothelial function. And so when it makes the nitric oxide, is it basically getting absorbed transdermally through the, the mouth, the buccal, like sublingually, the cheeks? Because it's highly vascularized, right? The mouth. So it's basically going in. Well, nitric oxide yeah. is a gas, right? And so we're producing that gas. So yeah, it's absorbed uh, buccally, taken up directly by the bloodstream. But it also binds to glutathione in any sulfur, any cysteine residue. So glutathione is a, is a tripeptide with a cysteine residue. The NO binds to that cysteine. And then we extend the biological half-life from one millisecond up to tens of minutes or hours. And then the other thing is it, it reacts with oxygen and forms nitrite. So then we can see the peak plasma concentrations of nitrite rise. We get peak plasma within 20 minutes, and then that falls over a period of okay. several hours. So that's kind of the acute nitric oxide rescue that probably everybody So right before be you go into the gym, everybody's you, would, you would take a lozenge would be a great time to do it. Absolutely. As you're walking into your workout. Absolutely. Or, you know, what I do when I'm getting on an airplane or I feel like I've been, you know, around people and I may have been exposed, I take the lozenge because I know that the lozenge is going to generate nitric oxide. I can breathe, do mm-hmm. nasal breathing, and I can deliver that nitric oxide gas through the airway epithelium. And if I'm exposed to a virus, no, the nitric oxide is going to shut it down and nip it in the bud. So that's a great, it's a great tool. And, you know, we call them biohacks, but that's probably the most important thing you can do is just pop that lozenge in your mouth, give your body the nitric oxide it needs. And then, you know, we're, we're providing that, that, that functional support. So that's kind of the first pathway. And then the second pathway, as I mentioned, the, the American diet is deficient in nitrate. So we're not getting enough nitrate. And, you know, we tell people, eat your green leafy vegetables. But, you know, we published on this in 2011. Even the vegetables that are grown today don't have enough nitrate in them. So most vegetables are deficient in many nutrients, from magnesium, selenium, they're deficient in nitrate. So we're not getting enough. So what you have to do is take a standardized amount of nitrate so that your body has what it needs to generate nitric oxide. And that's the purpose of the, the nitrate capsule. So two of those capsules give you about 425 milligrams of nitrate, which is what the body needs to go through this enterosalivary circuit, allow for the salivary reduction, swallow our own saliva, and give your body sufficient nitric oxide to prime that system. So taking both, you're basically restoring nitric oxide production from both pathways. And that's the best bang for your buck because now we're hitting it on both ends. You know, both of these pathways, one can compensate for the other, and I think that's why kids can get away with eating, you know, an unhealthy diet. They have good endothelial function. The older we get, we have to rely on diet to overcome because our vascular function becomes compromised. But if we maintain production from both pathways, then we're optimizing our circulation, optimizing nitric oxide signaling, optimizing the oral microbiome. Yeah, you wouldn't no, want to do that. sounds good to me. So basically you take the lozenge and at the same time, you might take your your capsules because it'll kind of pick up as the lozenge fades. Yeah. And I tell people you should take the lozenge before you take anything, whether you're taking a magnesium or vitamin D, because when you take supplements, it has to get into the blood, the circulation, and then be delivered to every cell systemically. <clears throat> but if you don't have good circulation, then it's mm-hmm. not going to be delivered. 
So if you take the laws and you open up the blood vessels, now you're going to deliver everything better. So you basically yeah, just you're opening the doors, you know, opened up the highway from a yeah. traffic jam to a absolutely open yeah. You're just opening the doors of access, and then you deliver the supplements, and and the cells That's sing. Exactly. Oh, That's they're exactly here. Right. Okay, so so the <laughs> lozenge. So the lozenges, what's the brand of lozenge? I'm just, I'm, I am going to mention brand here. It'll be in the show notes and we're going to make it easy for people to get this stuff. But I know that the capsules we're talking about are, we, I mean, I've been talking about those for a while. That's the Berkeley Life. Um, and then right. the lozenges is, what's the brand on that? The lozenge, the, my latest lozenge technology is called NO2U. So it's N, O is an oxide, the number two, and then okay. the letter U, NO2U.com. So what we've done is we've, you know, we've learned a lot over the past 15 or 20 years. Um, and so we've made this lozenge bioactive. We, we've distilled it down to the simplest components necessary to generate nitric oxide. Love it. And it helps you to make use of the arginine that's in your system on top of that. So you get this that's kind right. of amplification effect at the same time. Not only is it doing what it's doing, but, and so is there such a thing as, I mean, I'm sure there's always going to be such a thing as too much, but it would be pretty much, it would be pretty hard to overdo these supplements. Like you could say, because I would imagine like the the drug you're developing is going to be much higher dose. So for someone who does have some, some cardiovascular issues, they know their endothelium is, and maybe even if you're dealing with an infection of some kind, you might double down on some of this stuff, right? Like you might do a lozenge and you might take four capsules in a day and time them out so that you keep it in the system longer. Would that make sense? Well, the science this kind of goes against human nature because human nature is, you know, if one is good, three is going to be great, right? Right. That's what I'm asking. Like, is it, is it, is there a point of diminishing return or? Yeah. Yeah, there is. So it's, it's like a U-shaped curve, right? We know too little is bad. We know too much is bad. So for nitric oxide, it's more of a V-shaped curve, not a U-shape. So you have to be very careful because nitric oxide is a vasodilator. If you take too much, you'll dilate all the blood vessels and you'll lead to hypotension right. or low blood pressure. Then when you stand up, you'll get orthostatic hypotension, make it dizzy and faint. And, you know, so you want to avoid that. Yeah. But I tell people, you know, take it as indicated. We spent 25 years figuring out this science and, We've pushed position this and created a dosing regimen that's necessary and sufficient for nitric oxide production. You don't need less. You don't need more. Okay. So one lozenge, 12 hours apart is sufficient for some people with really, really compromised systems like really high blood pressure, insulin resistance, ED, you know, maybe one lozenge three times a day, maybe four times a day. But certainly not more than one at any time in your mouth. Okay. So don't put two lozenges or three lozenges in your mouth. Right. And then for the nitrate capsule, we're finding too that there's there is a diminishing returns. So taking four as opposed to two provides no added benefit. So that's why we dial in the exact amount because we give only what's needed and nothing more. Right. But the only signs of toxicity and safety issues are low blood pressure and methemoglobinemia. But, you know, methemoglobinemia will occur long after there's an unsafe problem in blood pressure. Okay. So, and the beauty of what we do, too, if people ask me, well, what about if I have low blood pressure or normal blood pressure? Well, you <laughs> won't Words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Sorry. So, for instance, and we've done 24-hour blood pressure monitoring. So, my blood pressure sitting here now would be 118 over 78. And if I take a lozenge, there's no further reduction in blood pressure. 
Okay. However, if I had blood pressure of say 185 over 110, and I take a lozenge, within 20 minutes, I'm going to drop that blood pressure 30, 40 millimeters of mercury. So it's really, it's, it's, we call it a rheostat. So it sets, it sets the basis for normal blood pressure. Yeah. If you have high blood pressure, it'll bring it down. If you have normal blood pressure, low blood pressure, it will not further drop your blood pressure. Okay. So you took that question right out of my mouth. I'm glad you answered that. Um, Apparently other people have asked it too. Okay. So do we feel comfortable that we could move over to the cosmetics now? Absolutely. Yes. Okay, good. Because I've been using your serum the it's and it's a double pump it's super cool it's got right. vitamin c on one side and then my nitric oxide i guess or you're going to tell me exactly what it is on the other side yeah. i put it on i don't get irritated i don't get hot i get this nice little rosy glow which i'm gathering is the increased blood flow to the okay. skin and then it goes away the the glow so yep. let's talk about why you decided to do this topically and and i'm guessing it gets the vitamin c to get where it needs to go i think it's something you said earlier, you just said, actually, that's why the nitric oxide, vasodilation, vitamin C, and it goes. And we know- The delivery that. mechanism. Yeah. But now I'll, I'll take you back to, to my rationale for that. And it goes back, you know, probably 15, 18 years. My dad's a paraplegic from a car accident in 1984. So for 30 something years, he's been rolling down a wheelchair. And he develops these decubitus ulcers, these pressure ulcers on his backside. And so we've, we've dealt with these for many, many years. And he developed a lot of these non-healing ulcers. He smoked, he was diabetic, and he ate a really poor diet. Mm. And he was paraplegic. So all of those led to some really nasty non-healing ulcers. Well, he developed uh, osteomyelitis and became septic and obviously saved his life. But the, the problem with that, that open wound, so I started developing a topical nitric oxide generating uh, four by four gauze. So I'd change the wound. I would put the nitric oxide releasing gauze in the wound and then close it up. And then a couple of days later, I'd come back and the infection was gone. The wound was granulated. We were starting to get some tissue growth. Wow. So to make a long story short, we healed a non-healing ulcer using our nitric oxide topical. And so the wound care docs couldn't believe anything we were doing. They could, they'd never seen anything like it. And so I go, well, that has some clinical utility. So we're actually taking that now into an FDA through my drug company as an FDA topical drug for diabetic ulcers. Wow. So that was the motivation. But before we got there, we thought, well, we can bring this to market as a cosmetic or a skincare product because and my rationale was, as I mentioned, when we opened the show up, the skin is an organ. And just like any other organ, it has to have sufficient blood flow. So we know that if your heart has compromised blood flow, you develop heart attack or heart disease. If your brain has sufficient blood flow, you develop vascular dementia, cognition disorders, and then eventually Alzheimer's. So if we knew how to make nitric oxide and then apply it to the skin, we could perfuse the cells of the dermis. We can improve collagen deposition, improve hydration. It's antimicrobial, so we could kill bacteria in in acne pustules. and basically suppress the inflammation of the skin, whether it's any type of dermatitis or infection. So that was the motivation for that. Then the question was, well, how much do we need delivered over how much time? Because our whole philosophy is providing the right molecule at the right time for the right patient. And so that we went to work on that and we brought that to market in 2019. And as I mentioned, nitric oxide is a gas. So we have to keep these two components separate. 
And when you pump them and mix together, it generates the NO gas. And when you apply it to any part of the body, it dilates blood vessels, it recruits capillaries, and you can see the increase in blood flow. Mm-hmm. So that's what we, we call it, the glow. Yeah. And when you apply the serum, you open up the blood vessels and you get this nice pink glow. And you can actually see the product working right before your eyes. Yeah. And this is a, this is a completely new category in skincare and cosmetics. Because as you know, most skincare cosmetic products are hiding. You know, they try to mask the fine lines and wrinkles. Mm-hmm. They try to yeah. hide the underlying problem. Yeah. What we do is get to the root of the problem, which is always decreased blood flow, compromise circulation, fix that. We improve cellular turnover. We've got four published clinical trials on this. Um, 100% satisfaction from the clinical trials. Fine lines and wrinkles disappear. Eczema patients, acne patients, scar remediation. So we really haven't found any indication where this would not be uh, supportive and really fundamentally, we've got 30 day before and afters and I mean, they're transformative. Some of these patients you can't even recognize before and after. Looks like a completely different person. Wow. That's, that's incredible. So then the serum that I have with the vitamin C and you know, what a lot of people forget about vitamin C, they think vitamin C, you know, for immunity, blah, blah, blah. But vitamin C, C stands for collagen. (laughs) and we forget we forget that c is collagen and collagen is you know next to like our fat pads that don't go that move from one place to another and bone that's starting to you know learning a lot about what happens to your face as you age is actually quite depressing because it doesn't have as much to do with your skin (laughs) because skin is actually easier to fix than the rest of this stuff but um but collagen is the infrastructure that holds it all up and so, well, we, we use the 20% vitamin C serum and the vitamin C in our technology is performing a lot of different functions. So number one, it's acting as an electron donor to help facilitate nitric oxide production. We're preventing a lot of the oxidation. And the other thing we want to prevent is the formation of nitrogen dioxide. So we prevent the oxidation. So nitrogen dioxide is a brown toxic gas. And part of our kind of our patent applications was creating a a certain viscosity and a barrier for oxygen diffusion. So the nitric oxide that's being released diffuses into the skin before it becomes oxidized. And then also the vitamin C, we need to promote collagen deposition. And even through biopsies, we've shown 30 days use and improvement in collagen deposition. So it's actually doing everything that we theoretically designed it. We're able to corroborate that through clinical trials and biopsies. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. I have so many questions. So would somebody, when you talk about post-surgery, like for healing of scars, would somebody use that formula, like that exact product on the scar and how soon after surgery would they be able to use it? Do you think? You know, immediately. And so what we dealt with for a number of years, and this is probably part of our drug applications, uh, because obviously this skincare product can't, you know, treat these things, but one major problem is surgical side infections right? Whether it's, you know, when you sew somebody up from either hernia surgery or cesarean or even a fracture, if they don't clean the wound, you get surgical site infections. I think the data are 20% rate of hospital readmission just for surgical site infections. So if you apply the serum on the surgical site, it's antimicrobial, antibacterial. Right, right. So you kill that, any, any pathogen that's left, and then you restore blood flow there. So you kind of prevent the scar formation. Yeah. So we've seen, and what we've seen so far is the newer the scar and the quicker you apply the nitric oxide serum on it, the better scar or the less scarring that's going to be. 
whether it's keloid scarring or just surgical type scarring. That's amazing. Uh, we've even seen some old, you know, 10, 15 year old cesarean scars that are starting to disappear as well. Well, that's interesting. So it's not that it's not reversible, but I think it's the sooner you can get it on there, the better results you're going to be with scarring. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I'd have one of those cesarean scars. I was interested when you were talking about the preemies earlier, because my son was born at 28 oh. weeks. And uh, oh, wow. I wonder if he got, I, I mean, I, you know, I was, I, they were keeping me in a dark room because my blood pressure was somewhere in the, I think I was 220 oh, wow. over 180 when they brought me in. So. Preeclamptic then. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I probably should have been like breathing nitric oxide. <laughs> hundred percent. No doubt. I'm wondering if they maybe, he maybe got, that was part of what they gave him. But I also have a, an old scar that maybe we'll see what, what we can do, but it doesn't bother me that much. Not a big deal. Now, is the serum the only product you have in your line or do you have other products that you've brought out or is this, this is kind of like the, the hallmark? Well, it's what we call our hero product, but when we developed uh, the skincare company, you know, a lot of people want, the serum is our kind of nitric oxide delivery. Yeah. But we created these companion products. We created a really nice, clean glycolic wash. So we tell people we try, we have a system that, and I've never used skincare my entire life until we brought these to market. <laughs> but I use the wash in the shower. And so it's a really nice uh, glycolic wash. Get some fruit acids in there. It exfoliates. I keep that on for about a minute and wash it off. And then when I get out, I apply the serum. So then you'll see this, the skin turn a little bit of slight pink. And then I give that a couple of minutes. So it's evaporative, get a really nice feel after the serum. And then we created a, an eye cream and a face cream. So those are more hydrating. We've got some peptides in there, some growth factors, and it actually potentiates the nitric oxide of the serum. Right. So that combination is really a remarkable uh, product set and really making transformative results. So you know, we understand that people have their own favorite line of skincare mm -hmm. products, and we don't try to replace that. We tell people, if you're going to use that, continue to use it, but just use the serum first, because now we're going to enhance the delivery of everything, whether it's peptides, stem cells, growth factors, hyaluronic acid, or vitamin C, we're going to open up that circulation, open up the pores and get better delivery, whatever you're putting on there after. Yeah, no, I love it. And it's funny because as you were talking earlier, it's funny how in, intuitively you, when I put the serum on, it's a fair amount. And so I like to let it dry before I put anything else on my face. Yeah, that's right. So it just- Your intuition was right. Yeah, so that's, that's uh, I'm so happy. <laughs> as opposed to, no, 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 you got to put the stuff on right away. Um, okay. Your skin looks great, by the way. Well, thank you. I, uh, you know, I've got this amazing serum. I mean, I, I've used a really great line of face products too, but I've been loving this serum since I've been, and I've had it now, I want to say for two weeks. So, um, okay. I'm super excited. And I have a new, new, new hero in my, uh, sitting in, on, in my cabinet. Okay. So have we left any stones unturned? I'm looking at the time. We're a little over an hour. Do we want, is there anything we left out that you think you'd like to cover right now or? We've done a lot of talking and covered a lot. You know, we've covered basically 25 years of research in 60 minutes or less. Not bad. But I think the most important thing and, and kind of the take home is, you know, people need to understand the importance of nitric oxide. It's one of these simple things that it's easily imp implementable. It's, you know, not cost prohibitive, uh, but I think, and obviously I have a very strong bias uh, it's the most important thing you can do because the science tells us your body cannot and will not heal 
or perform optimally without nitric oxide. Yeah. Well, it's, it's sure, you know, it's, it's the most, you know, to me, it's like, sometimes we have our pyramids all wrong, right? But it is definitely at the foundation of what you have to have in place for your body to be able to function properly or to be able to use the other things that you bring in or whatever the case may be. Like it's full on at the base, basic. No, right. You know, America spend a lot of money on supplements and even prescription drugs and they take it orally. And most dysfunctional tissue are characterized by decreased blood flow and hypoxia. Yeah. So even if you take supplements, they're not going to be delivered to the cells or the tissues that need them because there's not enough blood supply getting there. So if we open up the blood supply first and taking nitric oxide, then you take your supplementation, then they're going to be delivered systemically and actually get to where they need to be. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's a delivery system. So no matter what you're taking, nitric oxide should be at the core and foremost and first of any, anything you're, else you're taking. Yeah, no. And the other big takeaway here is I love this dual application. The immediate, you take it in the morning when you're going to the gym, when you're taking your morning supplements, and then you take those capsules that then picks up after on, for the rest of the day, right? It, it just takes you for the rest of the ride kind of till the end of the day. Yeah. And the beauty, and you mentioned it earlier, is you can, you can kind of monitor your own progress by using the test strips. Yeah. The test strips, you know, I developed that technology you know, almost 12 years ago, because that was the problem. People go, well, how do I know if I need nitrotoxin? And you can't do a blood draw on like cholesterol or vitamin D. Uh, so we had to develop a way to test if that nitric oxide was being produced in that person. Yeah. So the beauty of the test strip is you can test if they're low, then you can start to integrate these things we talk about and monitor your own progress. So it's yeah. proof, proof positive that what we're doing is actually having an impact. Not only move the test strip, the people will feel better. Yeah. And that's to me is the most important thing. I also can see an argument, especially in people who struggle with their nitric oxide levels. If you're low before bed, taking a couple of capsules or maybe, I guess it would be the capsules or you could repeat your routine from the morning because our bodies do so much work while we're sleeping. There's so much detoxification going on. There's, you know, we we're, we're out, we're kind of boom, boom, oh, go the lights. We think nothing's going on. And actually- your body becomes a hive of activity trying to repair and restore and, and, That's right. and deal with the damage of the day, you would almost not, that is another time of day where you absolutely do not want to be low in nitric oxide. So using that test strip before, you know, an hour or so before bed might be a really great strategy. No, I think so. And most, most heart attacks happen before 10. So I think whether you take it at night before you go to bed to allow the body to repair and regenerate and renew or first thing in the morning, you know, to prevent those early morning heart attacks. And, you know, we're still moving forward, although these are so-called supplements that we can't you know, treat, cure, prevent disease. For our drug discovery program, we've got a, an IND, which is an investigational drug application for ischemic heart disease. Hmm. And we've got an Alzheimer's drug and our topical diabetic ulcer. So there's really not any indication where nitric oxide would not be effective. So for, for our drug company, you know, we're going after the unmet medical needs, Alzheimer's, most Alzheimer's, all Alzheimer's drugs have failed. Yeah. They, failed they, they failed to address the root problem. You get so the beta question. amyloid tack and the tau tangles because you don't have sufficient blood flow to get the good stuff in and take the waste out. Yeah. We restore blood flow. There's no buildup of tau. There's no buildup of beta amyloid. The cells function. 
and you get to the root cause of it. Vascular dementia precedes Alzheimer's by many years, sometimes decades. Ischemic heart disease, we open up the blood vessels, get to the root, card, root cause of ischemia, whether it's in the heart or the kidneys or the liver. So we're, we have a very dedicated effort to get these nitric oxide drugs through FDA clinical trials. And I think it's gonna transform management of chronic disease for the next hundred years. Yeah, I love it. And that's what I'm excited about. That's really exciting. That is so exciting. All right. Well, I think we're going to, um, we're going to, on that beautiful note, we're going to wrap it up. So Dr. Nathan Bryan, where can people find you and where can they get the NO2U, which is the, the tablets? Uh, we know where they can get the capsules. They can go to Berkeley Life for those, and that'll be in the show notes. But for the NO2U, for the immediate release tablets, um, where where do, do they go? And and we have a discount code yes. for that too, actually. So, so that, it's, it's very simple. It's NO2U.com. That's N as in nitric, O as in oxide, the number two, and then the letter U, NO2U.com. Okay. Uh, I've got an educational website. I do a monthly blog. Uh, Dr. Nathan S is in scottbryan.com. That's also my Instagram handle. Uh, we have a strong uh, social media presence. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter at Dr. Nitric. You know, you can Google me, you know, we're in a world of uh, <laughs> browser searches. So uh, I'm findable on the uh, World Wide Web. Okay. Amazing. And so guys, when you go to no2u.com, if you decide to try the lozenges for yourself, you can use discount code NAT10 and that'll save you 10% off your purchase. So on that note, I'm going to thank you again a thousand times for your time today. This has been amazing, super enlightening. And I know that we're going to cross paths again in the fall in person. And uh, I very much look forward to that. For sure. Me too. Thank you, Natalie. Thanks for all you do. My pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.